Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link, or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Audit Podcast. I am your host, Trent Russell, and today, as our guest, we have Patty Miller. She formerly was the chairman of the IAA. She's been on all kinds of other boards, uh, she was on the COSO board, and the thing that drew her to me was a book called The Politics of Internal Auditing that Patty co-authored with Dr. Larry Rittenberg. If you haven't read it, it is it probably has some of the most insight in terms of how to be a CAE and what a CAE can deal with. There, If you've listened to the show enough, you know that I've, I've probably mentioned something to the effect of, hey, if you look for CEO books, COO books, CDO books, whatever, there's a ton of them that you could buy. There's really not a lot when it comes to internal audit from that perspective. And so that's where a lot of the emphasis, especially in 2023 was for the audit podcast was understanding the life, the day of a CAE. And this is, in my opinion, probably one of the best books when it comes to that. So that's a large part of the conversation revolves around the politics of internal auditing. The book itself, if there was a, a new version that was coming out, what would those topics be? Some of the just the crazy stories that you will read from the book itself. We hit on those. Here we go. So I know uh, the book came out eight years ago. And as part of that, I wouldn't call it a tour, but I'm sure you spoke to IA chapters or through uh, IA National and other conferences, things of that nature. And I know in doing those, a lot of times people will come up to the speakers and go, hey, what about this? What do you think about this? Kind of pick people's brains a little bit more. So is there any other, were there questions or a given question that you felt like people came up to you and asked the most? Or was there a theme of, hey, Patty, what do you think about this relative to the politics of internal auditing? I would say that the... Um biggest surprise to me. And you're right. I was asked to speak, and so was my co-author, uh, Dr. Larry Rittenberg from the University of Wisconsin. Both of us would say this, I think. Um, it was amazing how many people would come up and want to know if we wanted more examples. You know, we had little scenarios or cases in the book, and they resonated, and people could relate them to things they were going through or had gone through. And um, so it was like, if you're uh, going to write a, another book, I, I could help you with some more examples. Yeah. And it's actually kind of sad, but that was typically what they wanted to talk about, their own experience with pressure. So they're looking for free therapy from the two of you. <laughs> 
sometimes it was, how would you handle this? Yeah. And, um, you know, then we would go back to what we'd already said in the presentation. Yeah. Because there are some key takeaways we got from the interviewing we did with CAEs and how they had dealt with political pressure. Yeah. Patty Miller, uh, consultant slash therapist. I think those go hand in hand <laughs> pretty well. Like, so that there was the, and you kind of mentioned uh, a second version, but it was eight years ago. If you republish today, would there be additional topics that you would include? Maybe additional chapters, anything else that, are there any gaps between what you felt like the two of you wrote eight years ago versus what we have today? Uh, actually, what I would do differently or do now, in addition to what we did then, was I would broaden the audience. So when we did the first research, we focused on chief audit executives. We interviewed them. And then because of the stories we got, we ended up deciding that some data would be useful to answer the question, how prevalent is this? Does it vary by industry? Is it different in one country than another country, et cetera, et cetera. So we ended up doing a pretty extensive global survey, but again, of chief audit executives. And um, what was clear when we did presentations and people did come up and ask us, do you want some more stories? It's not just things that affect chief audit executives. And that's kind of obvious, but if you're a chief audit executive or even you know a director in an internal audit function, you should be asking yourself, what are my staff experiencing out there? Yeah. Are, is there pressure that they're experiencing that they're not even telling me about? Um, either because they think they're just supposed to go along or they don't understand my expectations for how they handle it. So if it really isn't a phenomenon that just affects leadership. And in fact, the IIA, a couple of years after we did this research in one of their common body of knowledge studies, uh, did ask all different levels of auditors about pressure and had some interesting data that would back up that it's not just chief audit executives who experience pressure. Also, and this is not um, what probably anybody in internal audit wants to hear, um, sometimes the staff felt like the pressure was coming from the CAE or the director. It wasn't necessarily that management was telling them they couldn't do something yeah. that needed to be done. It could be their own boss. Yeah. Um, so, Is there, and I feel like, you know, most of the people listening to this are probably in internal audit. Otherwise, I don't know why you're listening to the audit podcast, but let's just say we have some <laughs> stragglers from other areas. Um, so that's not going to be uncommon for those staff that are getting pressure from whoever their boss is. Do you have any general guidance if they're just like, I don't know what to do about this? I feel like if there's anybody that I talk to outside of a peer who might not have, you know, the level of authority needed to take this pressure off of me, I feel like I can't go to anyone. Do you have any guidance you could pass along to them? So the whole purpose behind this research, well, I shouldn't say the whole purpose, a primary purpose behind this research was to come up with practices that CAEs had used to manage or at least minimize pressure. It wasn't just to talk about what percentage of people experience pressure or what kind of pressure. Right. It was really supposed to be getting to how do you deal with it? And so in the book, there were lots of suggestions, and some of them are, I would say, common sense if you step back and look at it. Um, but I think sometimes we're so excited about a new job or we're trying to get along in an organization, we don't necessarily 
think forward to implications. So for example, if I was going to interview today for a job, I would closely look at, at least at a public company, I would closely look at who's on the board. What other boards are they on? Do I know anybody from the comp other companies where they might be on an audit committee that I could go talk to and find out how these people behave? Is it truly an independent audit committee or not? Do they support internal audit or not? Can I get any sense of that before I even go into the organization? Because a strong control environment is probably obviously your first key success factor if you want to minimize political pressure. I would also be honest in an interview about what my expectations were if I ever felt that I was being pressured to suppress something that needed to be reported or not to go look at something um, and try to have an upfront conversation. That doesn't necessarily mean when you get into the situation that whoever you interviewed with, the CEO or the CFO, behaves perfectly according to what they said they were going to, but at least you put your expectations on the table because it's a two-way street. It's what... What do they expect from you? So maybe they actually want to see the evidence or they want to talk to the auditors or they want you to come and talk to them before it becomes a discussion with the management team that's involved, whatever their expectations yeah. are. But likewise, you might have expectations. You know, I need you to um, not pull the chair out from under me in the middle of a meeting with the people we're, we're discussing have an issue that needs to be addressed, right? You need to support me. Um, you need to have my back, in other words. And um, here's what that looks like. So more proactive upfront communication is really important and trying to be in an organization that has a strong control environment, a strong ethical um, background backbone, if you will. And um, you know, you and I have talked before and you talked about, you know, have your resume ready. Y you don't want to think that you made a mistake and you ended up in an organization that really is not going to support you when it needs to um, or is going to, there's going to be negative um, impacts on you because you went ahead and reported something they didn't want to be reported. You know, you're going to be... Um, uh, left out of key meetings or you're going to lose a job opportunity or that sort of thing. Those things do happen. So the idea that you are prepared to move on if you have to, and that's a decision you can make, um, is probably an important, an important lesson. Yeah. I do think if you're a manager or a director, you have to be very clear about what your expectations are with your team. If they if they feel at all like there's an issue here and management isn't letting me deal with it, what yeah. you want them to come and talk to you about it. Um, there's this subtle thing that um, Dr. Rittenberg called enculturation, um, which is you, the longer you're in an, in an environment, the more you kind of get used to how things operate around here. Uh, sometimes that's called like, you know, what the third rail is, uh, you know, in an electric train, there's the rail, there's the rails that the train rides on. And then there's the, the <clears throat> one that's, um, you're going to get killed if you touch because mm -hmm. it's full of electric current. Yeah. So you know what the third rail is. So you know that you don't talk back to those people or you know that you don't um, confront that issue or you just kind of 
get a sense of that. And that enculturation can mean you never even know that that's going on because yeah. they just think that's the way they're supposed to behave. Yeah. And that's very subtle and very hard to manage. Yeah. Is there, I'm, I'm thinking even for folks that have been in uh, an audit position for a year, like fresh out of school type of folks to where it might be, I'm not sharing anything with anyone. And so I don't, and I don't know if this is maybe the best approach, this is what in hindsight I would do if I was in that si that same situation. But there are so many people, especially on LinkedIn in audit that post religiously to where I felt like if someone, you know, I could reach out to one of them and go, Hey, I know you don't know who I am, but I was wondering if I could pick your brain about this thing, because there are, if there's anything that we are, I feel like especially good at within audit, it is sharing things like that or really any question. Rarely, you know, even, even with this show, rarely do we get someone to go, no, I don't want to share, you know, my expertise or, you know, short of basically being shy or, or something like that. It's, there's a lot of folks that are very willing to help and share their guidance. And so if nothing else, if, if, um, someone's in that position and just needs someone else, like just hit up a few people on LinkedIn, probably hit up sure. five and you'd get a few that would say, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely could be a LinkedIn network, but it could be a, a a local IIA network, mm -hmm. right? It could be if you have a if you have a team of people in your internal audit group, it could be your peers or a group of people within your internal audit that you go to and say, "This is what's happening to me. Have you seen anything like that? What do you think I should do?" I also always encourage. Now I know that there's a lot more remote auditing today and less opportunities for a whole audit team to be in the same place at the same time. But to extent you have some of those, have a time for sharing. Talk about when you hit an ethical dilemma and how you dealt with it. Talk about when management pressured you and how you dealt with it, so that people who haven't had those experiences can learn from how you dealt with the situation at hand. Might I add, um, pick up the book and share stories from the book. Could do that. Yeah. Which, speaking of, <laughs> I just set myself up for a segue. Uh, I'm sure there's folks that are like, I want to know the craziest story. Like, what's the craziest, craziest political pressure story or one of them that is either in the book or didn't make the book or has happened in the eight years since where people are coming up to you, telling you their stories? Do you have a... This is like, no one's going to believe this type of story or, or any other story. I mean, a lot that is in the book are fantastic and uh, somewhat unbelievable. But do you have one that maybe sticks out to you? Uh, so I'll give you uh, a sense of, I guess it's believable, but it's sad. Yeah. And then I'll tell you something that was just amazing. So the one that's believable but sad is stories of executives who are clearly well compensated, but are doing crazy things like uh, uh, doctoring receipts to change their expense reimbursement kind of thing. And you and you go, how could that possibly be? How much money do you need? Right? How could that? Why would anybody at that echelon do that? But it, but we got told stories like that. And then the the dilemma comes if the CEO or general counsel wants to salvage that person because, you know, they're a rainmaker or they're, you know, they just got promoted. And so the CEO is going to look bad if they get rid of somebody they just promoted or right. Those kinds of things you just went, really? And unfortunately, that does happen. Um, 
the thing that was like, wow, was it was not in the U.S. It was a different story where an uh, audit group had identified uh, kickback to a very um, well-known, uh, highly uh, established political figure in the in the government. And um, the organization did not want it to be reported. And um, the CEO was told uh, by general counsel to just avoid meeting with the CAE so that they wouldn't know what was going on because then I guess they could say plausible deniability yep. or something. The CAE sat outside that CEO's office from early in the morning until late at night until it was a he finally came out of his office and had to face her. That, I just thought, talk about courage and integrity and no, this has to be, you have to know about this. I'm sorry you don't want to. I'll be here the next three days if I need to. Yeah. Um, so that, I was just, wow, how many people would have the fortitude to actually do that? Yeah, I'm not even camping out at Best Buy to get a TV on like Black Friday, <laughs> let alone to deliver some horrible news. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, we did, you mentioned it earlier, and this was, so your, and Dr. Rittenberg's book was recommended to me uh, by Todd Freeman, who's the chief audit executive at Vulcan Materials. And actually, he told me this crazy story of his, so we recorded it and released it a few, I don't know, maybe months ago. And from that, he or before that even, he recommended the book, so that's how I got the book. And it's one of those that I've, you know, a question that I've heard on another podcast is what book have you gifted the most as opposed to what book do you recommend? I haven't gifted it uh, to very many people, but I have highly recommended it to uh, folks in internal audit as like, this is, you need this one. If there's three, this is the one, you know, one of the three, at least that I would recommend. That's Todd told kind. his crazy Thank story. You. So Todd told his crazy story. People can go listen to his episode. Um, but one of the takeaways from his was he was the one that that said that like keep your resume basically your your resignation letter might be what it was in your jacket pocket so that you're you basically you're willing to hand it in and go nope this is the right thing to do I have to tell you this I understand I'm going to get fired for it or there's going to be repercussions um, and so I'm okay with that is there that was his takeaway and kind of my takeaway from uh, Todd's episode is there one that you would add to that though um. So that's an interesting key takeaway. I, I would actually say, and when I talk about the, the research, this is what I tell people. If you get nothing else out of this, understand the importance of relationships. We did, uh, because we did the data, um, we asked people about if they'd ever been pressured to do things like suppress a valid finding or not audit an area that needed to be audited. And it was worded more clearly than what I just said. But we also asked people to gauge the quality of their relationship with uh, their audit committee and with executives, et cetera. And um, so when you looked across the whole population, the this is very round numbers, but about half the time people said they had experienced pressure to suppress or to not audit something that needed to be audited. Uh, so about half the time they said they hadn't experienced that, 50-50. When we uh, cross-correlated to the people who said they had a very strong relationship with their audit committee or with their executive, the never went from about 
to like 90. Mm -hmm. um, it was a little higher with the board. It might have been like 95, 92, 95% with exec with uh, the board and maybe 88% with, ex I don't have, you know, I'm close. But the point is, it went from half the time saying I get pressured to only 10 to 15% of the time saying it. So I said, boy, if you're looking for one secret message here, it is work on your relationships. Because if you have a strong relationship with your CEO, with the executive team, with the board, people know not to mess with you, basically. Yeah. They know that if there's an issue, you're at least going to be listened to fairly and your side is going to be explored. It's not going to be immediately dismissed because they you have the credibility and the respect of those key bodies in an organization. So if you don't feel like you, you know, you only get to meet with your audit committee once a quarter for five minutes or something, that is where I would start. Right. Um, and I might even tell them about why it's important to have a relationship with them um, and start the discussion about what's your expectations if we ever did have a situation that was politically charged. Uh, I think that would be a really good conversation to have. So that's what I was going to hit on, and I'm glad you did already. So a lot of people know the what hope by now, at least that they're listeners to this show, because we talk about relationships all the time. And so that is the what, the relationships. Sometimes it's hard to explain the how, but so how to build those relationships. So I was going to follow up and maybe you could just summarize what you said again, as I ask it more directly, but how can we better develop those relationships with the audit committee? Uh, well, it's always good to see if you can find some areas of commonality and clear expectation. And I think sometimes back to being hired sometimes when you're first hired you have those conversations and then you know five years later you haven't brought it up again and you assume everything's still uh, hunky-dory and it may or may not be because people's expectations change over time yeah. so i think it's very important to be proactive and talk about what you expect from the internal audit function here's what we need from you and oh by the way um we are in a profession that um like it or not, we are at high risk for having being pressured to do the wrong thing. So if I'm ever feeling that way, how do you want me to deal with it back to, you know, do you want to talk to the auditor? Do you want to see the evidence? Here's what I need from you, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have to go into that again. I think it's always important to show that you or key motivation as an auditor is not trying to catch people doing bad things. Right. We're supposed to be helping our organization succeed by helping them manage the risks that might under, undermine their achievement of objectives. Do we approach things with that mindset? We are all on the same team. We're trying to help our organization be successful. Do we demonstrate our alignment with the organization's goals or do we come across more like, um, you know, the police trying to catch them? Um, and the most important thing is how many findings we have. Yep. That's pretty old school, so I don't think that there's a lot of internal audit functions out there. But you have to be very careful about tone. You have to be very careful about providing context when you find issues. So it's not that he screwed up. It's what's going on that created this opportunity for something to go wrong. Um, I think the more we can try to think about issues from management's perspective, 
and understand the challenges they have, the more we're able to position issues in a way that you can help both understand why did it happen, but also what difference does it make? What's the improvement opportunity here? Why is it important? You know, sometimes the issues we come up with, we think are big deals and management is like ho-hum. Yeah. And I would say, if you're in that situation, you got to go back and say, did I not communicate this well? Did I not think about the so what? Why don't they understand this is a big deal? Am I wrong? Like, you know, be fair. Am I wrong? Maybe they're seeing things I didn't think about. Or have I just done a poor job of communicating the importance here? Maybe I need to do more substantive testing and show them how bad it is. Um, I don't know. I think sometimes we think our job is too easy. We we do a test. We come up with a test result. We report the test result. We move on. Done. Yeah. Um, without thinking about what difference does it make and how are we going to persuade uh, management to make the changes necessary to correct it. Yeah. Uh, I love all that. There's a lot of actual how-tos in there. I like to, just my perspective, I'm a continuous improvement. If we can make something, if we can continuously improve on something, then what what more else can we ask for um, is the way I look at a lot of things. And so even if you have been, you know, it's been five years since you've maybe even had that conversation, but to talk to those folks and go, this is what we've been doing. What do you like about what we've been doing? Great. We'll keep doing that. What do you not like about what we've been doing? Great. We'll scratch that. Like, what do you want to change? What should we implement? We'll work to build on those things. To me, like if someone came to me with that, it'd be hard. I'd be hard pressed to go, I hate this person and I hope they fail and I do not want to have a relationship with them. You know, if they come to me and generally <laughs> want to improve whatever the process is, then it's, you know, to me, I think that's a really great relationship builder, but I love the, the, practical how-tos that you gave also. So, well, all right. Uh, with that, there are, I think there's a lot of good takeaways. If you are not a book reader, I think you got a lot of the good stuff without giving it all away. Um, and I never want the authors because I sat down to write a book years and years ago. I made it past the second sentence and went, nope, I'm not doing this. And so uh, <laughs> I never want, I never want an author to give away all of the best stuff because um, I know how much effort it takes to put something like that out. For those that aren't book readers, though, I think you got a lot of the really good stuff. If you are a book reader, cannot recommend it anymore. It is fantastic. With that said, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with? I guess I would say this. Um, be careful about defining moments. And by that, I mean this. Um, you will have opportunities as an internal auditor to experience conflict with management. There's no way around it. It's just kind of part of the job. And uh, sometimes management might be right. It's possible. So sometimes we actually have to be objective and fair and listen to what they have to say and maybe change our opinion. Uh, but sometimes they're not right. And if they're not right and we back down too readily, that is a defining moment which will undermine you many times more but, in the future because it will become known pretty quickly that you are a pushover to be very simplistic and the opposite is also true if you have one of those moments where you really do need to stand your ground and you know you do you can't look yourself in the mirror if you back down you know it's an issue that needs to go all the way to the board whatever and you stand up 
and you escalate if you have to, that also is a defining moment. And people will know that you have the courage and integrity to do the job the right way. Now, again, maybe they're not going to like it in your organization and you're going to dust off your resume and go find another job. Maybe. But probably you're going to have just earned respect and people are going to understand who you are as a person. Um, so those defining moments can happen when you least expect them. And um, you need to be very careful about how you handle them because they can go one way or the other. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.